Contaminated sediment presents an ongoing problem for scientists around the world. Management and remediation is expensive and time-consuming, often involving millions of dollars over many years. An easier solution may be coming, however. Passive sampling methods offer several advantages over traditional remediation techniques. The April 2014 issue of IEAM contains a special series on passive sampling methods for contaminated sediment. The articles are the product of a SeaTac technical workshop held in 2012. With us today is Mark Greenberg, the lead author on a paper that explores aspects of risk assessment and management for contaminated sediments. Mark is an environmental toxicologist with the U.S. EPA in New Jersey. Hi, Mark. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Jenny. Thanks for inviting me to speak with you. So tell us about the major goals of the SeaTac workshop, and specifically those of your work group, because you actually served as a co-leader for one of the workshop groups. Sure. Well, first we identified a technical need for the workshop among the steering committee. Uh, and what we identified was that contaminant analyses for bulk or whole sediment often serve as a critical line of evidence that's used to support decision-making at sites. But whole and, and um, bulk sediment concentrations often provide a poor predictor of exposure and subsequent risk since contaminant bioavailability is essentially ignored. So this leads to a higher degree of uncertainty and conclusions that are then used for decisions regarding the management of contaminated sediments. And driven partly by this technical challenge, as well as the often high costs that are associated with sediment remediation, there's been a high degree of scientific research and development of passive sampling techniques over the past decade or so. And the goal of that research has been in better quantifying the bioavailability of contaminants and sediments. So more use of these devices and technologies um, are thought to be able to help us reduce these uncertainties. The main objectives of the workshop were to promote understanding of the passive sampling method science that tells us that quantifying freely dissolved concentrations of contaminants, or C-free, serves as a better proxy for bioaccumulation and toxicity than bulk sediment or total concentrations. And we also wanted to provide consensus recommendations for increased use and application in contaminated sediment management processes and sediment decisions. I was the co-chair for work group four on uh, risk assessment and management, and specifically we addressed the following questions. What are the current and projected future management applications for passive sampling methods in assessing and managing risks that are associated with contaminated sediments? What is needed for widespread acceptance of passive sampling methods among the management community? And what research and technology developments will support broader application of passive sampling methods? What are the mechanics behind passive sampling methods? For the purpose of this workshop, passive sampling methods were broadly defined as techniques that quantify bioavailability based on the diffusion and subsequent partitioning of contaminant from sediment to a reference sampling phase, this reference sampling phase being the passive sampler. This relies on the concept of chemical activity, which itself aims at determination of freely dissolved concentrations, or C-free, in the interstitial or pore water. These sampler phases come in a variety of types and configurations and can be selected to target specific chemicals or chemical classes. For example, hydrophobic organic compounds, such as PCBs and PAHs, can be sampled using phases such as 
polydimethylsiloxane, polyethylene, polyoxymethylene, and silicon rubber. Metals and metalloids can be sampled using various gels, resins, and metal chelating media. The sampling phases themselves can be configured numerous ways, including in sheets, strips, tubes, polymer-coated fibers, and coated vials. And more specific details on the methods and the use of passive samplers are described within the special series. Thanks for that overview, Mark. Could you highlight the main questions and hypotheses regarding contaminated sediment? Sure, Jenny. Questions that were asked by the work groups included, what is the scientific basis for incorporating passive sampling methods to improve exposure and risk characterization? Which passive sampling methods have been successful in representing the bioavailability of sediment-associated organic and trace metal contaminants? How should passive sampling methods be implemented? How will methods be calibrated or validated? What is the uncertainty associated with the parameters defined using passive sampling methods? Do specific passive sampling methods work better for some metals than for others? Which metals are or are not data-rich? How well do passive sampling methods predict bioavailability? Now, the papers that are in this series cover all of these questions. In the risk assessment and management paper, we described that the use of passive sampling methods to quantify C-free can greatly assist in answering three important management questions related to contaminated sediments. These are, do contaminated sediments pose an unacceptable risk to ecological receptors or to human health? If contaminants in sediments pose an unacceptable risk, how can these risks be effectively mitigated? And if surface water is contributing to unacceptable risk in fish, wildlife, or humans as a result of contaminants associated with point and non-point sources, including sediments, how can such risks be effectively managed and reduced? So what advantages do passive sampling methods provide for managing potentially toxic sediments? Overall, having measurements of C-free with passive sampling can reduce uncertainty in characterizing contaminant transport, risk assessment, and risk management decisions. And this is because uh, these kinds of measurements provide an increased understanding of bioavailable chemical concentrations, along with improved accuracy when characterizing exposure and flexibility in placement of the devices such that both depth or time integrated sampling can be accomplished. And passive sampling methods also provide a simpler, less disruptive sampling approach than conventional poor water collection and other measurement techniques like suction and centrifugation. Contaminated sediment investigations and site characterization can also be improved through the following advantages that are provided by passive sampling methods. It may be easier and more cost-effective to use passive sampling devices compared to collection and processing of an equivalent or even a smaller number of sediment, poor water, surface water, or biota samples. C-free can be used in a multiple lines of evidence approach to risk assessment. This includes better estimates of bioavailable exposure point concentrations in sediment, poor water, and surface water for use in chemical screening or as inputs to food chain models. Use in estimating bioaccumulation potential and tissue concentrations. And use of C-free concentrations as a dose metric in addition to or instead of bulk or total sediment concentrations when developing concentration effects relationships from toxicity tests. 
free measurements can be used to not only reduce uncertainties in risk assessments, as has already been mentioned, but it can also reduce uncertainties in the parameterization and validation of model predictions of future conditions under various remedial alternatives. So is there a vision for using C-Free in the regulatory arena? You know, Jenny, a major motivator for convening this workshop was our observation that regulatory applications of passive samplers and use of bioavailability data in general is not as widespread as supported by the science. We hope that the resulting special series of papers helps regulatory managers and decision makers better understand the advantages and the limitations associated with these chemically-based sampling approaches over traditional analytical methods. And we're hoping that that'll pave the way for their wider acceptance and use. I will note that the United States Environmental Protection Agency Superfund Program Office and the Office of Research and Development have issued a sediment assessment and monitoring sheet um, on guidelines for using passive samplers to monitor organic contaminants at Superfund sediment sites. So there is regulatory interest in the use of this technology moving forward. Our work group also discussed that sediment remediation and monitoring of remedy performance can benefit from the use and application of passive sampling methods. C-free determinations can be used to map sediment areas of potential concern, and the information can also be used to represent a critical engineering parameter to develop, for example, an effective TAP design. A passive sampling provides a practical means for monitoring exposure conditions during remedy implementation and construction to assess any changes in short-term risks from the remedial action itself. And these methods can also be used in remedy effectiveness monitoring to evaluate whether risk reduction objectives that are established for a sediment project have been achieved or are being met over time. For example, a frequent question is, are bioavailable concentrations of sediment contaminants reduced or decreasing? That can be assessed using these passive sampling methods. C3 can also be helpful in conserving resources, both natural and financial, with regard to fish tissue monitoring that may be part of an ambient monitoring program or the risk reduction objectives associated with a given sediment remedy. Evidence from passive sampling trend monitoring of surface and pore water can be used to determine when fish tissue evaluations would be appropriate for assessing whether remedial targets for fish are achieved or for decisions regarding fish tissue consumption advisories. The approach also reduces the need for regular and destructive sampling of live fish, such that confirmatory sampling of fish tissue would only be triggered if the passive sampling data indicated a substantive change in the surface or pore water contaminant concentrations. And finally, the use of passive sampling can reduce costs by minimizing the need for fish sampling and analysis. Further adoption of passive sampling methods in contaminated sediment decision-making will require effective communication to increase confidence among stakeholders and encourage consistent application by practitioners. We hope that this workshop has taken us closer to meeting that goal. Well, we'd love to hear updates from you or your group on the progress of using passive sampling methods in the field. Thanks. And if I can take a moment, I'd like to thank Tom Parkerton and Keith Mariah, the co-chairs of the workshop's organizing committee. I'd like to thank my co-chair on the Risk Assessment and Management Work Group, Peter Chapman. And I'd like to thank you, Jenny, Jim Metter, and IEM for inviting me to speak with you today. You've been listening to Mark Greenberg discuss the use of passive sampling methods for contaminated sediment. 
The views or opinions expressed herein are solely those of the speaker and do not necessarily represent the policy or guidance of the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency. Access the special series in the April 2014 issue of IEAM. Just go to SeaTacJournals.org. I'm Jenny Shaw, and thank you for listening to the IEAM podcast.